We've been preaching on Wednesday nights on what the Bible teaches and preaches and shares about healing. And tonight is no exception, got something that I believe the Lord wants us in, to have in our spirit because everyone gets sick and because everyone gets sick, everybody needs healing, amen. I've had a lot of preachers say in their preaching that you can live a life where you never get sick, but I've never found anyone that can do it yet. It's kind of like saying, you know, you can live a life and never sin. Well, I've never met that guy either. But Jesus Christ is the healer. Amen. I want you to open up your Bibles with me, please, to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And we're going to be, begin reading the last part of this chapter. In fact, this chapter 8 is a miracle that Jesus performed Actually, we're going to be looking at verse 22 through 26. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. By the way, this is the only miracle you'll find in the Bible where Jesus' miracle was delayed. Everywhere else, Jesus Christ instantly performed miracles. But in this account, the miracle was interrupted. Not because Jesus had a short circuit in his power, but because we have short circuits in our healing. And the Lord is trying to show us that many times healing is a process and not something that just happens suddenly. Although it does, miracles happen, but many times we will receive our healing through just simply being true and faithful to the Lord. Verse 22, Mark chapter 8, if you found it, say amen. Verse 22, and Jesus cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands, Jesus did, again on his eyes, and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. I want to draw your attention to the phrase that Jesus took him, verse 23, the blind man by the hand, and led him out of town. I want to use for a subject tonight, walking with the healer. May be seated. Walking with the healer. Amos asked in chapter 3, verse 3, the prophet Amos, can two walk together except they be agreed? And of course we know the answer to that is, no, because they'll be fighting beside the road. They must agree together in order to walk together. And I'm in absolute agreement that sickness is bad. I'm absolutely in agreement that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. I, I agree with Jesus that he is the awesome, eternal, powerful God. I agree with Jesus that he can heal and there's nothing that God cannot do, that there's nothing impossible to him that believeth. I agree with Jesus. And so I walk with Jesus. And some people walk with Jesus for various reasons. Some walk with Jesus for salvation, which is essential. That's the first thing you've got to do. You can't have a walk with Jesus until you're born again anyway. You say, why can't I walk with Jesus and not be born again? Because Jesus wouldn't enjoy your company. And you wouldn't enjoy his. Because two cannot walk together except they be agreed. Salvation brings agreement. So we walk with him for salvation. We walk with Jesus for comfort. We walk with Jesus for strength. We walk with Jesus for Holy Ghost power. I think we even walk with Jesus for the loaves, the bread, and the miracles. Now, someone would instantly say, oh, that's wrong. You know, there's a negative 
connotation to the fact that they followed the Lord for the bread and the miracles. Well, uh, in that context, they were only following Jesus for what they could get. But I follow Jesus because I know that he'll take good care of me too. He's concerned about my bread and, and the needs of my life. And so that just goes without saying that I follow Jesus for my everyday need, for my everyday strength. Jesus Christ said in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. And so I follow Jesus because I know that I can do nothing. I am nothing. I'll accomplish nothing without Jesus Christ. And so we follow Jesus for salvation. We follow Jesus for comfort. We follow Jesus for strength. We follow Jesus for uh, provision. Why can't we follow Jesus for healing? Well, we can. Walking with the healer. It's so important that we understand that if we walk with the Lord, all the benefits of the Lord are given to us because we know him. We know the Lord. I want to bring my first point out to you, and I want you to notice the scripture says that they brought a blind man to Jesus, there in verse 22. And this blind man, they, Jesus in verse 23 says, he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And that brings me to my first point. Holding hands with a stranger is very awkward. Amen? I mean, if you went into a big, you know, big place and they were gathered, thousands of people were sitting around and somebody just walked in beside you that you know nothing about and, and, and sat down by you and then took your hand and held it, you would feel very awkward. I know I would. I'd change seats. And if I changed seats and the next guy in the seat reached over and took me by the hand, especially in this day of time, it would be very awkward. Amen? If it's a man, it would be extremely awkward to come in and take me by the hand. If it was a woman, it would be extremely awkward for my wife, Judy. Amen? So holding hands with a stranger is awkward. And if you find a blind man in, in this setting, Pharisees and scribes and the leaders never held hands with blind men. In fact, they believed that blind men were blind because of sin. They considered blind men unclean. And so the religious crowd would never hold hands with a blind man. And probably needless to say, unless it's a family member, a loved one, they would never take this blind man by the hand. But notice in verse 22 that a crowd, a certain group, the, the Bible says uh, they, uh, a, a people, a, a group of people, they brought a blind man unto Jesus and besought him to touch him, the blind man. So we know that these, in verse 22, had took some time to explain who they were taking him to. I have no doubt that these, they, the scripture says, they took a blind man to Jesus. And I have no doubt that by the time they took this blind man to Jesus, they'd already told this blind man all about Jesus. They had told this blind man, we're going to see a man that can open your eyes. They told this blind man, we're going to go see a man that never spake like a man. Never, spake, never a man spake like this man. We're going to take you to see a man that loves and cares. And he's the Messiah. He's a healer. He's a redeemer. And so they set the stage so that when they brought this blind man to Jesus Christ, Jesus would not be a stranger to him. And Jesus took him by the hand. And as far as the blind man was concerned, that was one of the most glorious things that could ever happen. The creator of the universe, the Messiah, took his hand. And he began to walk with Jesus. Now, he couldn't see the outcome. He was blind. He couldn't see everything or where he was going or what he was doing. 
but he still trusted the one who held his hand. He walked with Jesus, and Jesus held his hand. And I'm grateful for the fact that God can hold our hands too. And we walk with him, and we talk with him, and he loves us and cares for us and watches over us. It's important that we understand the beauty of walking hand in hand with God Almighty. I want to simply say at this setting of the miracle that's about to happen is that he was walking with the healer. He did not know the outcome, but he knew that he was walking with the healer. And everybody in this room, you need to not only walk with Jesus as the Savior, not only walk with Jesus as the comforter or as the mighty God, you need to walk with Jesus as your own personal physician, your healer. Amen? I'm glad that Jesus is my healer. I'm going to walk with Jesus because he's going the direction I want to go. I'm going to walk with Jesus because he's the only one that can take me where I really want to go. I'm going to walk with Jesus and, and continue to walk with Jesus because I know that long life's way, I'm going to need this one holding my hand. Life's too big. Storms are too great. Problems are too horrendous for us not to hold hands with God Almighty. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, you know, Isaiah the prophet said, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. His ears not heavy that it cannot hear. And when you picture that, religion is man's little short arm trying to reach up to God, and he can't. But the strong, long arm of God reached down to man. God's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. And so God reached down to man to the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Religion reaches up. There's nothing but dead air between them and God Almighty. But Jesus reaches down, and there's nothing but blessing and anointing and salvation as Jesus touches our life. Amen. Beautiful when you think about that. And, and I want to hold Jesus' hand all the way home. By the way, there may be some sorrows along the way, but when Jesus holds my hand all the way home, in the end, that same hand that I hold hands with, that hand of Jesus, will wipe every tear from my eyes. That hand of Jesus Christ will take care of every problem in my life because he holds the whole world in his hands. He holds everything in his hands. He's a God of omnipotent, incredible power. And Jesus came to earth with hands because God needed hands to hold hands with our hands. And his name is Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? I love it when God said, let us make man after our, after our own image, after our likeness in Genesis. Notice he used the phrase our, after our own image, after our likeness. And when Jesus Christ formed man from the dust of the ground, he formed, some, he formed an arm and a torso and a head and feet. And, and he said, here, I'm going to make some hands. And I'm going to use these hands to reach down to man. I'm going to use my son, Jesus. He'll have hands, and those hands will touch the leper. He'll have hands, and those hands will touch the blinded eyes. He'll have hands, and those hands will hold hands with those I love and lead them home. For Jesus, God was in Jesus, reconciling the world unto himself. The second thing I want to point out is don't let Jesus walk away. Don't let Jesus walk past you. I know you've heard the story of in Mark chapter 6 where it talked about they were on the sea, the disciples. Jesus was on a mountain praying, and the disciples were in the sea, and the, 
and the waves become contrary and the storm began to get up on the uh, Galilean Sea and there uh, the, the, the disciples were in dismay and they were, they were discouraged and Jesus comes down to them and what does he do? He comes to them walking on the water. Jesus is on the mountaintop. The disciples are in a horrific wind contrary against them. They're discouraged, they're hurting, they're in trouble and Jesus comes walking to them in the middle of the dark. He's lit up. How many know Jesus is always lit up? You don't find anywhere in the Bible a vision of Jesus where he was not lit up. Are you hearing me? There's no place in the Bible where Jesus is described that he is not lit up. And he comes walking to Jesus on the water, lit up. Jesus comes walking to Peter and the disciples on the water, lit up. But here's what it says. When they were toiling and rolling, in verse uh, 48 through 50, chapter 6 of Mark. And he saw them, Jesus saw them rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea, and would have what? Passed by. Would have what? Passed by. I wonder how many people end up with cancer or leukemia or heart uh, sickness or leprosy in that day and blindness and they allow Jesus to pass by. Think about what I'm talking about. I mean, come on, when the, when, when the doctors say to you, you've got so many days to live, we don't lay down like cast sheep and go back and die. Because we have a shepherd and we shall not want. He's a miracle shepherd. He's a healer. I'll get into that in just a little bit. But Jesus would have walked by. He'd have passed them by. They were in a storm. They were in a horrific mess. But Jesus would have just went on past. He just walked on. But the Bible says in verse 49, they saw him walking upon the sea. That's what we need to do. We need to get people to see Jesus walking on the sea. We need to get people to see Jesus as miracle worker. We need to tell people about Jesus' power to heal. We need to tell people about Jesus' love and Jesus' power to forgive and wash our sins away. We need to tell people like this, like they, them that took this blind man to Jesus Christ and introduced him to Jesus Christ. I got news for you. They introduced this blind man to Jesus long before they ever arrived to where Jesus was because when Jesus Christ took his hand, it was not awkward. It was glorious. See, the blind man knew that who he was holding hands with was his friend and was his companion and was his healer and was his deliverer. And he walked with Jesus out of town. He walked with Jesus uh, away from the crowd. He walked with Jesus into silence there away from the crowd. And Jesus heals him. We'll get into a little bit, a little bit of that in just a moment. <clears throat> but I want you to understand that Jesus Christ would have went past him in the storm. And I hate to say this, but there's millions of people that let Jesus walk past them when they're in the storm. And that's why we need to let people see Jesus walking on the sea. Oh, not literally, but we need to let people see that God, the clouds are the dust of God's feet. We need to let people know that God cares about them and that God loves them and that Jesus Christ died for their sins and that Jesus Christ rose again from the grave. We need to introduce the world, introduce the sick and dying, introduce Jesus Christ to the hurting. We need to introduce them that here he comes. Here he comes in your dark moment. Here he comes in your storms. Here he comes in your sickness. Here he comes in your derision. Here he comes in your depression. Here he comes. Here he comes. Here he comes. Here he comes. He's coming. Don't let him walk by. And the Bible says they cried out for fear. In verse 50, and they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he took with them, he talked with them. And what did he say to them? Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. That a lot of folks need to hear those words. How many agree today we live in a world that needs to hear those words, be of good cheer? It is I, Jesus Christ, the 
commander of heaven and earth. It is I, Jesus says, be not afraid. This whole world needs to hear those words of Jesus. Be of good cheer. Put a smile on your face. Put a chuckle in your voice. Lift your chin up. Get lit up with God's hope. Be of good cheer because it is I in your storm. It is I, Jesus Christ, in your darkness. Jesus Christ says, it is I in your dilemma. Don't let me walk past. Don't let me walk by. Call out to me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. What an awesome God. Woo, I didn't preach myself happy. Number three, Jesus offers his hand to go with him. He offers to this blind man his hand to go with him. And he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes, he put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw aught. Now, I think it's very interesting that he leads this blind man out of town. I think there's a reason for that, and I think one reason for that is he wanted to take this blind man away from familiar surroundings. He, the blind man could get comfortable in his surroundings. Sick people many times get comfortable in their surroundings. People get depressed and discouraged and defeated lives, and they get comfortable in their surroundings. And so Jesus led him out of town because he's going to show this blind man something he's never saw before, obviously. And what's amazing is Jesus spits in his eye. For some reason, my eye just itched right then. <laughs> Jesus spit in his eye. It's a good thing the blind man was blind. He didn't see what was coming anyway. I mean, sometimes God don't let us see what's coming. And he spit in his eye, both his eyes, and put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw aught. Verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with that other than the fact that many times if we don't see clearly through God's moving in our life, we see things much bigger than what they really are. We allow our problems to be bigger than what they really are. We allow our sickness to become much bigger than what it really is. Compared to Jesus, how big is sickness? Compared to Jesus, how big is death? Compared to Jesus, how big is anything? Jesus holds everything in his hands. The Bible says in verse 25, he put his hands on Jesus, on the blind man a second time. Remember, he said, I see men as trees walking. Now, it wasn't that Jesus had a short circuit. It wasn't that Jesus said, oh, I, I missed it. I need to try again. It wasn't that Jesus needed two bullets. It was that you and I need to understand that sometimes it won't go the way that you plan. But don't be discouraged. Just keep walking with God. Just keep walking with the healer. And the Bible says he put his hands on him again on his eyes and made him look up. I love that phrase, made him look up. There's a, this whole nation needs to be made to look up. Our leaders need to be made to look up. Amen? You get, you get too sure of yourself and too prideful and too cocky with your life, and God's going to make you look up. And made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. That brings me to another statement that I want all of us to listen carefully to, because this is going to get really interesting in a moment. Verse, not that it's not already interesting, but verse 24 and 25, he's, he, he doesn't get what he wanted instantly. He had to look a second time. He had, I mean, Jesus spit in his eye. How many times do we have to go through life with spit in our eye? The truth is, 
Some of us have been through life with lots of spit in our eyes, spiritually speaking. We went through some hard times. We went through some rough times and our back doesn't quit hurting and our head doesn't quit throbbing and, our, and the doctor says it's still there and we're still struggling. But listen to me, God sometimes will just say, wait, 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 wait. Well, let me get my hands on you again. Let me touch you again. And I want you to know when Jesus Christ touched him, the second time he was healed and saw all men clearly. So that brings me to my last point. Don't be impatient. Don't be impatient. Impatience is someone that is, they just want it immediately. I, I never seen so many people impatient in a restaurant drive through People get impatient. I ordered that taco five minutes ago. Impatient. Someone gets behind you and you're busy and the light turns and then you get on your horn, your impatient horn in your car. Impatient means quickly irritated. Impatient means provoked. Impatient means restless and eager. And I want to say when it doesn't happen the way you want it to happen, don't be impatient. Just keep walking with the healer. Don't ever stop walking with the healer. No matter what you're facing in life, don't stop walking with the healer. I'm not going to stop walking with the Savior. I'm not going to stop walking with, with the one who saved me. I'm not going to stop walking with salvation. I'm not going to stop walking with Holy Ghost. I'm not going to stop walking with, with the comfort of God's Word. I'm not going to stop walking with this Word of God. But one thing for sure, as we're living this life, we need to learn the beauty of never stop walking with the healer. Always walk with the healer. Even if it doesn't turn out, don't be impatient. Said, so don't be impatient. Just walk with Jesus. Just walk with Jesus. Just keep walking with Jesus because he's the healer. I'm going to take you to Psalm 23. And we're going to wrap it up tonight in Psalm 23. Oh, this Psalm 23 has been so misinterpreted. Now, don't misunderstand me. I preached Psalm 23 at many funerals, and I will some more if people keep dying. Psalm 23 is comforting. Psalm 23 is a wonderful psalm for people to be comforted at a funeral service. But Psalm 23 isn't for the dead. Psalm 23 is for the living. God is not the God of the dead, but the living. David didn't write Psalm 23 and say, here, I want to write this because I'm going to die. David didn't write Psalm 23 and say, oh, this is going to be my dying psalm. I'm going to write this psalm because, because I'm going to need this when I die. That ain't why he wrote Psalm 23. He wrote Psalm 23 because he says, I'm going to need this while I live. I'm going to need this blessing while I live. I'm going to need God's strength while I live. Amen? Hello? Come on. Did you know there's only one place in Psalm 23 where it's about the future after you die? Last sentence. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's, that's the only one that's about the end after you're gone. And you can even argue the fact, no, that means going to the house of the Lord, the temple, the church. And that could be argued as well. But let's go to the verse that everybody wants to look at. Yea, though I walk, verse 4. Yea, though I walk. Here we go. We're walking hand in hand with the healer. Yea, though I walk. We're walking with the healer. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It didn't say death. It said the shadow. And all of earth is a shadow of death. Because there's graveyards everywhere. All of our life is a shadow of death. Not just, not just when we get really sick, although that's, you know, the shadow's getting darker. But the truth is, the shadow of death is everywhere in our life. Yeah, though I walk through. I love that phrase, through. 
Didn't mean I'm going to get, you know, shut down and they're going to have to bring in the, 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 the angel wrecker squad to haul me off the side of the road into heaven. We're going to get through this. But notice this, I will fear no evil for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Let me just share some things with you that maybe you hadn't considered before. As a preacher, this Psalm 23 has brought comfort to millions in their deathbed. This Psalm 23 has brought comfort and brought comfort to families that have had loved ones go on to meet, with, meet the Lord. And I will use it again in that aspect. But it can get, listen, this, this Psalm 23 verse, verse uh, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. This verse not only brings comfort to millions who die in their deathbed, but it can get millions out of their deathbed too. This verse 4 is a healing verse. You never thought of that, did you? You thought, well, that's a burying verse. That's, you know, graveyard dead verse. That's not. This verse 4 is a healing verse. Yea, though I walk to the valley of shadow death, I'll fear no evil. I'm not going to fear because God's with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. The shepherd doesn't use the rod and the staff to dig the grave for the sheep. The shepherd doesn't use the rod and the staff to inflict pain and sickness on his sheep. The rod and the staff are used to protect the sheep. The rod to beat the sickness away. The rod to beat the demons away. The rod to beat the predators away. The rod to beat the wolf, the lion away. The rod to beat the predator, the snake, the ve uh, venomous uh, snakes away. The rod to beat the enemy away. The rod to tap them and get them in the right direction, yes. But a rod was not meant to beat the sheep. The rod was meant to beat that which is trying to destroy the sheep. And the staff, we could look at it in our day, just a really good cane to walk by. The staff to help the weak and weary to lean on the staff. The staff to be steady without falling. The staff to watch over us. And also the staff could be like a little crook that when they put around the little sheep's neck and pull them back closer to the, to the Lord. But the staff and the rod is not implements to dig graves. The rod and the staff is a blessing from the Lord to say you shall live and not die. God is a healer. And just as this psalm has comforted millions in their deathbed, this psalm also will bring millions out of their deathbed alive. Amen. Come on. The shepherd's hands are full. What are they full of? Well, a rod and a staff. What are the shepherd's hands full of? Promise, power, protection. What is the shepherd's hand full of? Healing. What is the shepherd's hand full of? Life. Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now, let's look at it. Just read it, and then we'll be done. The Lord is my shepherd. Pretty good start, right? He's also my savior. He's also my comforter. He's also my redeemer. He's also my mercy bearer. He's also my Lord. He's also my healer. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. No matter what sickness comes my way, no matter what storm comes my way, I shall not want. Not want for what? Not want for God's provision. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Well, there it is. He makes you lie down in green pastures to die. That ain't what that's talking about. 
He's talking about a sheep lays down in green pastures so they can just not even have to walk around to eat, just laying in the grass. You talk about a buffet all the way around them. Right? Isn't that good? Jack, that's good, isn't it? A buffet all the way. Yeah. And, and the Bible says, he leaded me beside the still waters. No flood waters in my way. Still waters, wonderful waters, deep waters. Amen. And then he says, he restored my soul. Well, that don't mean dying. Restored my soul means reviving. He leaded me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Well, righteousness keeps us alive because the wages of sin is death. Yea, though I walk through, everybody say through, the valley of the shadow of death, not death, just the shadow. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they protect or comfort me. That's a healing verse. Thou anointest, thou preparest my table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Guess what? That's not heaven because there won't be no enemies in heaven. That's down here. Thou preparest a table before me down here in the presence of mine enemies. And thou anointest my head with oil. That's healing. That's anointing. My cup runneth over. That's abundance. There it is, healing. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I want you to know that verse 4 is a healing verse. Verse 5 is a healing verse. Verse 6 is a healing verse. In fact, Psalm 23 is for the living God's, God's not a God of the dead, but of the living. Now, does it bring comfort to the dead, to those that die? Absolutely. Is this a great psalm to read at someone's bedside as they're going to be with the Lord? Absolutely. But don't be surprised if you read it at the bedside of someone dying and they jump out of it and go, whoo, glory to God. His rod just hit me. His staff just lifted me. His anointing just came upon me. I got out of the deathbed because it's a healing verse. Now that's good stuff. And some of you need to be stuffed full of it. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy follows me. Isn't that beautiful? So my, my admonition to you tonight is simply this. Walk with your healer. Walking with the healer. You need to walk with the healer. Just as Psalm 23 brings comfort and, and, and peace to millions in a deathbed, Psalm 23 can also bring miracles and people can come out of their deathbed healed because the rod and the staff of God heals, doesn't bury. Amen. The shepherd don't see a sick sheep and say, well, there's one sick over there. Let me get my rod and my staff and dig a hole for him. That ain't what he uses. He, he uses that rod and staff while they're sick to keep predators from killing them while they're weak. He uses that rod and staff to drive away the wolves, to drive away the, the lions, to drive away the predators while they're weak. And I want you to know, when you're going through sickness, walk with your healer because your healer is your shepherd and your shepherd will use his rod and his staff to drive away depression and discouragement and hellish things for your heart. Let, let, take, your mind will set in, your eyes will set back in your head and lock into death. But when God is there, your mind will be quickened, your heart will be ignited, your eyes will be lit to, with the power of God and you can say, no, not graveyard today, not not death today. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
I'll walk to the valley. I'm getting through this and I'm gonna get out of the hospital and I'm going home. Wow. And that's why it's important that we walk with the healer. Amen? See, when you go through a sickness very long, you tend to give in to it. Especially if the doctors are telling you to give in to it. And it's amazing how people will just, you know, give up. Don't give up. Walk with the healer. At its worst time, Psalm 23, as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, at its worst time, remember God is there to heal you, to bring you up and to heal your life. And as a preacher, I'll continue to use Psalm 23 to comfort those who lose loved ones in death. I'll use Psalm 23 to comfort people that are under, uh, you know, uh, under the, the power of death and, and, and they need the encouragement. I'll use it, but I need to know without, without any shadow of a doubt, I know in my heart that that same Psalm can be used with people that's on the urge, on the edge of death. And that same Psalm can say, not today, not this hour, not now. And that person that's dying can get up out of the bed because the Lord is their shepherd. They shall not want and the rod and the staff comforts them and they can get up because goodness and mercy is going to follow them all the way home. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. So let me tell you, keep walking with the healer. You know, they walked with Jesus because they wanted to see the, they wanted to eat of the loaves of bread and see the miracles, the fish. And, and the only reason it was uh, negative was because that's the only reason they were following Jesus. But I want you to know, I, I follow Jesus for my salvation. He's my Savior. I follow Jesus for comfort. I follow Jesus for strength. I follow Jesus for his, his igniting power uh, to help me through life. I follow Jesus in the storm. I follow Jesus when I can't see correctly. I follow him because he holds my hand. It's not, it's not um, somewhat strange to hold the hand of Jesus. It's not somewhat uh, uh, at a place where you feel uncomfortable to hold the hand of someone you don't know. I know him. I know Jesus Christ. I'm comfortable with holding the hand of Jesus Christ. And I want everybody to understand today that the more we read this scripture, the more we look at God's blessing, the more we look at God's word, the more we can say we know him. You know, there's way too many people. Now, we ought to all be trying to get healing. I mean, we'd agree. If you're sick, we ought to be trying to get healing, find a good doctor, find some good medicine, do something. Come and see my wife, Granny Clampett. She'll treat you. But we ought to all be seeking healing, right? It's a good thing to seek healing. But there's way too many people that when they do hold hands with the Scriptures and they do hold hands with the Lord, it's awkward because they don't know Him. Don't expect God to do a supernatural miracle in your life if you're too busy to hold hands with him and get past the awkward stage. Don't expect God to give you a supernatural miracle and you not know Jesus Christ. Don't expect God to give you a great move of the Spirit of God in your life. Don't expect God to give you a miracle. Don't even expect God to heal you of a terminal disease if you're not willing to get in this book, look to God, call out to God, get to know Him because He's your healer. He's not just your Savior and He's not just the big man upstairs. He's not the almighty God upstairs. He's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And that's why people need to get to know Jesus. Know Jesus. Now, am I saying that people will not die if they hold hands with Jesus? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that you can't expect big things if you're not holding hands with Jesus. 
But I, I will say this. If we do find ourselves in heaven, we'll get our ultimate healing there. Hello? If we do find ourselves in heaven, you won't be sick anymore. You'll have your ultimate healing. And God shall wipe away all tears from your eyes with that hand that held you as you walked, believing him for his healing power. God the healer. I'll make a statement. I'll, I'll get criticized on YouTube about this probably, get criticized on Facebook about this too. But I think it would be, it would give God more glory to heal you and give you a miracle and then let you die of a common cold later on. Or maybe old age. Hello. I think it'd be awesome if the Lord just heal everybody of terminal diseases and, and then they, you know, the, what they die of? Or they had an ingrown toenail that got infected and just took them out. Now, some of you laugh at that, but I had a person that laid out of church for three months over an ingrown toenail. Laid out of church for three months. And then I got a little critical toward her, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Oh, yeah? You little sour punk, you. And I ended up with an ingrown toenail. And I said, Lord, that isn't fair. He says, neither is you finding fault with someone. So I decided not to pursue that anymore. I've had people come into the church and the doctor says, you've got something wrong with you. And the doctor said, well, it'll clear up in about, you know, seven days or, or two months or whatever the case may be. And they'll come to me and say, well, I won't be back for seven months. Why? Because the doctor said it'll take seven months for me to clear up. I'm thinking, what? Hello? There's folks that'll miss church if a cuticle gets out of place. Amen? It takes a thousand gallons of water to baptize a Baptist or a Pres Presbyterian, a Pentecostal, and three raindrops to keep them out of church on Sunday morning. That's true. The weatherman can come on the news and say, it's going to be cold Sunday morning, really windy. And the first thing you do is shut off your alarm and you make plans to not come to church because the weatherman give you a forecast and you said, that's a good reason to miss church. It's not a good reason. So, well, should we, you know, stick our face in the blowing snow and Wade through 10 foot of snow to get to church. I'm not saying that at all. I'm a reasonable pastor. Hello? I got to quit before I get unreasonable. But, but just hear me. Uh, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but I think I've seen somewhere where it said, um, missing everything in the world it's a good excuse to go to church. You can miss everything in the world. You can miss every, every, every um, uh, get-together, miss out. You can, you can avoid everything in the world, and a good reason to do it is to go to church. That's pretty cool. Amen? Hello? I'll close with this. We... Uh, Years ago, I, you know, I've always been the calm and the gentle and the sweet and considerate preacher. Very calm and sweet. I'm not like Josh, rough and tough. But when I was younger, I was kind of rough. Rough around the edge. Chris said, oh, yeah. And when I was younger, I was kind of rough. And, and I remember one time I told uh, my, my mother-in-law, I said, uh, you ain't got any excuse to miss church. None at all. As long as you're healthy, you can go to church. She looked at me and says, I don't agree with you. Shook her head. Don't agree. And I said, well, 
Even, there's no reason to miss church. If you're, if you're healthy, go to church. I don't agree. Don't agree. She was one of them. If it was too foggy, we'd miss. I went to her house, me and Judy, and Eva fed us chili. I didn't know it was two-week-old chili. And she poisoned me. Judy did fine, but she poisoned me. She tried to kill me. And I couldn't go to church that Sunday. And she come to me and said, Ha, you even let a bowl of chili keep you out of church. You ain't much of a preacher. <laughs> Amen. Hello. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, chili get too old and it get, you know, stuff and poison. Now, Chris can make some chili. It, it don't get too old. He just makes chili that when it comes out, you're going to miss church. <laughs> it's so hot. Let's all stand. <laughs> right there, Judy would be saying, hold it, hold it. You've gone too far. Amen. Praise the Lord. Walk with the healer. Walk with the healer. Take a walk. Take a walk with Jesus. You may find spit in your eye, but take a walk with Jesus. It may not turn out the way you think it'll turn out, but take a walk with Jesus. Because he has your best interests in mind. And it may take more. Don't, don't be impatient. Just keep walking with the Savior. And he'll give you long life and health if you'll believe him for it. Amen. Josh going to play and sing. We're going to invite you to come to an altar. Talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Last Wednesday, the power of God was here to heal them all. I believe tonight the power of God is here to heal them all. I want you to just reach up and take the hand of Jesus. I want you to just reach up right now and just take the hand of Jesus. And say, Jesus, I need to focus. Jesus, I need your healing. Jesus, I need forgiveness, yes. I need strength, yes. I need courage, yes. I need comfort, yes. But Jesus, you're my healer, and I need healing. I need healing.